Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, we've got a special episode this week because just yesterday, the audiobook of The Adventures of Nanny Piggins went on sale. This is very exciting for me personally because The Adventures of Nanny Piggins was my first ever book, so I love it a lot. She's very special to me. It was really exciting when it came out. Oh, it came out in Australia in 2009. Nine, I want to say, and in America 2010. And it was a really exciting time in my life because I didn't know how she was going to do when she, she went on sale, but she seems to just capture people's imagination straight away. Uh, the former US Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright, actually endorsed the book before it was even published anywhere. I wrote to her, I wrote to a whole bunch of, of famous people, but she wrote back and said, yeah, I'll write the blurb for the back of your book. And she wrote, I've got it, I've got her letter on my wall, so I'll see if I can read it from here in my chair. My eyesight's not very good. Um, so Secretary Albright wrote, The Adventures of Nanny Piggins is the most exciting saga about a flying pig nanny ever told. There's a laugh on every page and a lesson in there somewhere. I recommend it highly. So it obviously caught her imagination. Um, But it did really well with the reviewers as well. Kirkus gave it a starred review. The American Library Association, their periodical book list, they gave it a starred review. And then they even judged it to be the best youth fiction of 2010. That was the year it came out um, in America. So it was a really, really exciting time. And uh, I'm, you know, I love the book, obviously, because I'm still writing podcast stories about the character all these years later. So I'm doing this uh, promotional episode of the podcast to encourage you to please buy the audiobook. Uh, there's lots of different ways you can buy it. Obviously, it's available through places like Audible and Google Play, iTunes. The only thing is, I know something like 40% of the people who listen to this podcast are not in Australia or New Zealand, which is where I am. So in other regions, you might have troubles downloading the audiobook. I don't know because I'm not in your region, so I can't test it with your local version. So if you have trouble downloading it, don't worry. What you can do is you can buy a physical copy of the CD. That's available too. And uh, booksellers can order it, or you can just go to my website, raspratt.com, click on the book depository banner, and they've got the audiobook right there on CD. So And they'll ship it to you anywhere in the world for free. So you just got to pay the standard recommended retail price, which is uh, about $23 Australian or $15.99 American. And it's a four-hour audiobook, so it is good value for money. So please, support the book. So to promote that, this episode of the podcast will be the first chapter of The Adventures of Nanny Piggins to give you a taster of what the audiobook will be like. But just bear in mind, the audiobook will be way better because it was professionally recorded, but you'll get an idea for the story. So I'm going to read to you now Chapter 1 of The Adventures of Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Nanny Piggins and Her Dramatic Entrance. 
Mr Green desperately needed to find a new nanny for his children. In the four weeks since their last nanny left, he found himself actually having to talk to them, provide them with meals and pay attention to them himself. And all this had to stop. He had a job at a law firm, helping rich people avoid paying their taxes. He could not be expected to look after his own children as well. The reason Mrs Green did not look after the children was because she was not there. Mr Green said she had died in a boating accident, but the children were not entirely sure this was true. Yes, there had been a funeral. Yes, there had been an obituary in the newspaper. But people on television programs died all the time, and that never stopped them from coming back in the next series. So they'd not totally given up hope that their mother had just got fed up with their father, which was a sentiment they could fully understand. There were three green children. The eldest, Derek, was a fit boy of 11. He was always suntanned or muddy. Either way, he always looked brown. And he always had long, messy hair, but never went to the barber because the only time his father ever spoke to him was to yell, Go and get your hair cut, you look like a scruff bag. The second child, Samantha, was a girl. And as such, she had even fewer conversations with her father than Derek. She was a nice girl and pretty enough, but not so much as to cause a fuss. Her chief characteristic was that she worried all the time. To be fair, she did have a lot to worry about. Girls whose mothers have drowned in boating accidents would be foolish not to worry. The third child, Michael, was only seven, but in many ways he was the most confident. He could not remember their mother at all, so he was not saddened or worried about her loss. Derek and Samantha bore the brunt of having to deal with Mr Green, so Michael was able to get on with his life unhindered. As a result, he was a little bit on the tubby side, because Michael's favourite hobby was stealing food from the kitchen, then sitting and eating it under a bush in the garden. On the whole, they were three well-mannered, largely self-sufficient children, and they would have been a doddle for anyone to take care of. Mr Green should have found a nanny in half a second flat. But there was a problem. Not only did Mr Green believe that rich people should not pay taxes, he also believed that he, personally, should not have to pay for anything. He begrudged giving money to a nanny. In his opinion, childcare should be entirely government-provided, paid for out of the taxes his clients never paid. But even more than that, Mr Green deeply resented the idea that he had to pay to advertise for a nanny. There was so much unemployment in the world that, in his opinion, nannies should be beating down his door. So, despite the fact that he desperately wanted a nanny, he did not have one because he was too cheap to put an advertisement in a newspaper. All Mr Green had done was paint a sign himself with the words, Nanny wanted, inquire within, attach it to a stake and bang it into the front lawn. So far, the sign had sat there for three weeks without a single knock at the door. And now the pressure was really on. One of the neighbours, having watched Michael sitting under a bush eating frozen pizza that was still frozen, had reported this to the government. And a social worker had arrived to inspect all three children. She then made an appointment to see Mr Green, because he was, of course, at work when she visited, and threatened him. She told him that if he continued to leave his children unattended for 10 or 12 hours at a time, they would be taken away and put into government care. Now, Mr Green would have liked nothing more than to have his children taken away. If that happened, he would not have to go home at all. He could spend all his time at the office happily reading tax laws without giving his offspring a second thought. 
But Mr. Green knew that if his children were taken away from him, it would look very bad. People did not think much of him as it was, what with him being a tax lawyer, and him not paying attention when his wife fell off the boat. It would definitely damage him professionally if the story got in the papers. So it's at this point that our story begins. Mr. Green was so desperate to hire a nanny that he was actually considering paying to advertise when this painful thought was interrupted by a loud knock at the front door. It was a dark and stormy night. Rain was teeming down. As Mr. Green opened the door, he could not clearly see the person in front of him, silhouetted by the streetlight, but he could tell from the shape that the person was wearing a dress, so he assumed it was a woman, and he assumed she must have come about the position of nanny. Mr. Green was flooded with relief. "'Come in, come in!' he beckoned. As the new nanny stepped into the house, the light hit her, and Mr. Green could see her clearly for the first time. She wore a simple blue dress with a drop waist and a jaunty little jacket, and she was only four foot tall. But Mr. Green soon forgot about her lack of height when he saw that she had a much more shocking feature. The woman was not a woman. She was a pig, a common pink farm pig, the type bacon came from. Good evening, I am Nanny Piggins, said Nanny Piggins the pig. Huh? said Mr. Green. I have come to apply for the position of Nanny, she explained. Well, uh, spluttered Mr. Green, buying time as his mind raced and he tried to figure out what to do. Well, um, that is very good, but um, I wonder if you're quite uh, suitable, you see. I can start immediately, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, said Mr. Green. He could not deny that that would be convenient. I have no criminal record, said Nanny Piggins. Oh, that is good, said Mr. Green. He could not deny it would please the social worker. But I expect to be paid properly, stated Nanny Piggins. Ah, now that might be a difficulty, interrupted Mr. Green. Here he saw he had the perfect excuse for not hiring the pig. I charge ten cents an hour, Nanny Piggins declared boldly. You're hired, exclaimed Mr. Green, without even thinking. He knew a bargain when he heard one. I'll be frank, Nanny Piggins. I would prefer not to have a pig take care of my children, but I am prepared to offer you the job until a suitable human nanny presents herself. Very well, said Nanny Piggins. I think you will find human nannies are terribly overrated. They are, in my experience, very greedy and not terribly clean. But I shall agree to your terms because it's wet outside and I do not have an umbrella. So Mr. Green and Nanny Piggins shook hands on it. Then Mr. Green immediately fled out of the house to return to his office in the city where he could read the tax laws in peace, leaving Nanny Piggins to acquaint herself with the children. Derek, Samantha and Michael stared at Nanny Piggins with their mouths agape. It had never occurred to them that their father might leave them in the care of a pig, no matter how well she was dressed. "'Hello, children. My name is Sarah Piggins, and I am to be your new nanny.' "'I'm Derek,' said Derek. "'I'm Samantha,' said Samantha. "'And I'm Michael,' said Michael. "'Derek, Samantha and Michael, I shall try my best to remember that,' Nanny Piggins assured them. The children stared at her, and she stared at them for several long moments before Nanny Piggins cleared her throat and asked, "'So what's supposed to happen now?' Uh, "'This is the part where you tell us what you expect of us,' Derek told her. He was quite an experienced hand, having had eleven different nannies in his time. Oh, I didn't realise I was meant to have expectations so early in the piece. Give me a moment to think of some, said Nanny Piggins. The children watched her as she thought for a few seconds. Okay, I'm ready, she announced. Well, children, you need not tell your father this. 
but I will admit I have never been a nanny before. My only previous job experience was as a flying pig in a circus, which I am proud to say I was very good at. And I don't suppose that nannying can be any harder than being blasted out of a cannon, so I shouldn't be surprised if I turn out to be very good at this, too. The children stared at Nanny Piggins in awe. They did not know what to think. They were astounded that she was a pig. But a flying pig? A flying pig who had no idea how to be a nanny? They must be the luckiest children in the world. It was Nanny Piggins who interrupted their joyful thoughts. So I've told you my expectations. What am I supposed to do next? She asked. The children considered all the things their father would have suggested. Well, you could tell us to go and tidy our room, suggested Derek. Or instruct us to take a bath, added Samantha. Or order us to shut our mouths if we knew what was good for us, said Michael. Oh, said Nanny Piggins. Well, you can do that if you like. But I'm going to go to the kitchen and go through all the cupboards looking for things that contain sugar. Then eat as much as I can until I feel sick. You can join me if you like. And they did. The children soon fell deeply in love with their new nanny. She let them stay up half the night watching violent movies, then let them sleep in her bed the other half of the night when they had terrible nightmares. She let them eat chocolate not only before and after breakfast, but instead of breakfast as well. As far as they were concerned, she was the best nanny ever in the entire world. The only cloud on their horizon was the nanny wanted sign in the front garden. For their father still held out the hope that he would eventually be able to upgrade to a human nanny, and the children lived in dread fear of that day. And that's the end of chapter one. Thank you for listening to support this podcast. Just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from, from across the Nanny Piggins, Pesky Kids and Friday Barnes series. And now, of course, there's the audiobook as well. You can order all these things through your local bookseller or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They've got all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>